All right, everyone, we're live today. It's Friday, and we have here at Coffee Chat with Sandy McLean, our relationship coach. And Sandy, we're so excited to have you here. How are you doing? I'm great. Great. A little early, early in the morning for me in BC, but I'm doing great. <laughs> You're like two hours behind us, I think, right? It's about eight, three hours. Oh, wow, it's seven in the morning. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Good morning. Have your coffee. <laughs> we have our coffee as well. <laughs> All right, great. Um, so let me introduce Sandy and then we'll get into it. We're so excited to have you. Um, so a little bit about Sandy. She is a couples and trauma therapist and she lives out of British Columbia, Canada. She has been in practice for 17 years and she wa wants a master's in counseling psychology and a bachelor's in biopsychology. Um, she's trained in Gottman Method, EFT, couples therapy, and somatic experiencing. Did I say that right, somatic? Yeah. Yeah. Great, all right. So Sandy also needs, um, she also does lead, sorry, relationship transformation workshops with a special focus on supporting busy parents to thrive and thrive in their marriages after kids. Um, so she has been herself been married for 16 years. Um, she's a mom with two kids and a therapy dog, dog Rusty. Yeah. His name is Rusty. His name is Rusty. He's a therapy yeah. dog. He's, he's my youngest, my therapy dog, yeah. Okay. Is he, there's actually a thing called the pet therapy. So is he trained for that? He's not formally trained. He's a Bernadoodle and I got him to live in my practice with me and he's amazing. He just, I don't think he's going to come in here today, but he's, He's just, he just intuits where to go in a session and he really helps, especially in couples therapy. If there's a reluctant husband, they, they kind of, he comes and they see the dog. They're like, all right, she's okay. There's a dog here. It's oh, really that's great. Awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard of uh, having pet therapy, especially mm -hmm. with children. I think they use it a lot. So yeah. that's why I was wondering if she was also trained yeah. for that. Bernadoodles in particular are, that's why I got them, they're very, they're almost famous for working with autistic kids in terms of their temperament and care. They're just very, very loving and human kind of centered. Yeah, very nice. I love it. Well, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the marriage counseling? Um, like what had you get into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started my practice in adult mental health, working with more anxiety, depression, and addictions. And when I went out on my own, I got trained in couples therapy. And, you know, the, in terms of most recently, I'm focusing on my these educational workshops where I take a lot of the pieces from couples therapy and um, just teach them to people rather than waiting for them to get to couples therapy. And that the inspiration for that for me was really my own marriage. I um, after having, I, my head, I was one of these people that was never sure I was going to get married. You know, I was like, I wonder if I'll ever find someone. And, you know, and I had the most amazing love story, chose my partner really, really well. We fell in love, got engaged in seven months, married in two years. It was really like almost a dream. I didn't dare to dream that came true. And yeah. two babies later, kind of five years later, and it was really, really intense. This beautiful marriage went sideways pretty quick. <laughs> you know, we weren't, it's not that we were 
on the verge of divorce necessarily or fighting. It was just that I suddenly saw, oh gosh, like this is not good. And we were kind of in cycles of yuck and disconnection and, um, and they were just compounding. And yeah. I'm a therapist and we live in a relatively small town. So I was like, well, let's go to couples therapy or here, read this book. And he's, he just wasn't, he's not a therapy guy. And it's, you know, he's like, so I'm going to go to therapy and hang out with you and your friend while you tell me what to do. No, thanks. <laughs> right. So, um, so I just decided, okay, I can't wait. I'm not going to wait until things are really bad. That's what I saw in my practice is a lot of couples don't come in until it's really, really last days. So I started to take all the things in my training from the couples therapy from trauma therapy and just kind of trying to mastermind how to apply it in my own marriage, kind of without him, I mean with him, but just, okay, I'm going to really work on my side, really work on my side and apply these strategies and, you know, coach myself essentially. And it hugely worked. He, he did get on board eventually, but really indirectly more than directly. He, everything I shifted seemed to bring out the shifts I was wishing for him. Not every one of them, but enough of them that it was like a positive cycle. So that's what got me into teaching the workshops. And then realized in my couples therapy practice still today, people come in kind of five years after they've had a lot of injury. And um, a lot of those are after kids. And I just wanted to start to teach people the skills they could use up front before ever getting into a therapist's office. Yeah, no, I love what you said there. Um, my, Me personally as well, my husband and I hit a really big bump in the road as well. And it was um, be, being married, I think at that time it was it's 20 years now, but it was 17 years, it's like a three, not too far long ago, about three years ago, um, where it wasn't working for us. And, you know, we also seeked out couples therapy. Um, and what actually ended up working for us better than couples therapy was us working on therapy for each of our individually. Mm -hmm. And that was really great because we became more self-aware so that we could be more um, other aware. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and we had more clarity of what it is that we wanted out of a relationship and we were better to communicate it with. So I would say one of the key things that helped us was communicating, which wasn't there before. Yeah, and you know, I think that um, kids really do change the game. Like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people go through, I, I know we did, I don't know, depending on where you're from, but we had to do like the marriage, um, like the weekend where you go and you talk about, you know, what your plan is and you talk about, you know, having kids and, but you don't really go into kind of detail as to the different situations that come up. So I think there's, it's such a big shift to go from like a couple to a family and, you know, baby one, maybe baby two, baby three, and you get so kind of caught up in it that you kind of lose that, a, a bit of that connection or it just changes. And I think that's just so brilliant because so many people, like you said, Sandy, they wait until like marriage is on, like on the last kind of strings before they seek help. So I think it's such a, an amazing thing to kind of go and sort of get that, that foresight and be able to apply those things before so that you don't get to that point, or at least you know I mean? like you, you, you work through those bumps together, um, you know, with, with techniques and tools that I think a lot of people don't often have or don't often think about. Yeah. And I think it's surprising people think, you know, they, they you maybe had enough communication skills to get by when you had lots of sleep and lots of time and lots of other things going on that were, you know, and that all shifts with the kids and it brings up these 
patterns that maybe were there for me. It's like stuff that was kind of there in my childhood aspects of my personality aspects of it is, um, but it, it took kind of the pressure cooker plus all the stakes. You have such high stakes in terms of what you want with your kids, a parenting style you believe in. Like there's so much to negotiate. I feel like you become sleep deprived people with no time and you're essentially trying to co-run a business now. And the business is like, I want to raise the kids the best way possible. I want you to raise them the best way possible with me. Yeah. Um, I'm right, yeah. right in. Like I have a two and a six year old and, mm-hmm. um, the two-year-old is still not great at sleep. So I'm still in that like sleep deprived state most days. And, um, you know, my husband's wonderful and, you know, but I, I can also see whereas before if we had an argument, it might last the afternoon. Now it kind of lasts sometimes days before we're like, okay, this is dumb. Let's whatever. But we don't, we don't communicate or I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think we're both maybe a bit more stubborn (laughs) in kind of resolving it. And I think that has a lot to do with that, like with the added sleep deprivation and just all the added stress, right? You just kind of, um, I don't know. I don't know, but we changed. Like, I mean, when we were dating and first married, um, like I said, arguments lasted in the moment. And then we, we, both of us are pretty laid back. So we're like, this is a dumb thing to argue about. Let's just whatever, let's agree to disagree and we'd be okay. Whereas now I'm finding those fights lasting a lot longer. So mm-hmm. it's just an interesting shift, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, we wanted to go into within our high performance coaching, a lot of our clients do bring up challenges that they have with their, with, with their spouses. And some of the challenges are not only with their spouses, but also with um, in their in their uh, their professional life, with the relationship with their coworkers. Um, I know some, my a lot of my friends. We have kids that are now teens, so we have struggle with communicating with them. Um, so one of the things aspects that we talk about in clarity is how who are we we are being and how we're showing up. And one of the things that we taught in our five-day challenge to our group is how is it that you're going to show up? What are the three words you're going to use? And even in that even applies when you're coming into a social setting or if you're going to come in and communi- communicating with your child or your spouse, are you going to come in being lovable? Are you going to come in being compassionate? Or are you coming in angry and defensive? So mm-hmm. it's really being responsible of how you are communicating yourself how you're going to come up and show up in that relationship whatever it is that you're going to be speaking at mm-hmm. so did you, did you want to add anything to that how that works in in your aspects yeah your i love that i love the three words i'm going to use that today that's really great what three words like it's just nice to get the mind sharp right which i guess is the whole point of the word clarity it's like let's break bring it right down um in terms of my relationship work the training i do I think the thing that applies most to clarity is really connecting with your why. Cause I'm, I'm really telling people stop waiting for your partner. Stop saying our communication isn't working because you're doing this, this, and this. I'm saying everything in a relationship is a loop. It's this, the emotional system is looping between you. And it doesn't actually matter if they're responsible for 80% you've got 20 cause you know, they've got more issues than you. <laughs> it's usually what people think. It's actually that if you take out your 20% and you nail it and you totally get off that wheel, the whole cycle shifts out of it. So 
but that takes you have to be really grown up you have to be really an adult and and there's other factors that take over our stubbornness our our um hurt feelings our fatigue there's things that take over that make us less willing to start always with like i'm going to start with me i'm going to do everything on my side and not focus on you so for me the clarity piece um really comes down to connecting all the time with your why. And I think this, you know, parents and anybody who's got high stakes in their in their relationship where you're not just dating, you can't just be like, this is getting annoying, I'm gonna go date someone else. Um, you, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of things you care about and you believe in that you're gonna want 10 years down the road to be in a healthy, amazing relationship with the person you're raising kids with right now. Like there's a lot of reasons for that. But if you don't connect with those reasons, then they're not going to be um, available to you when you're triggered, when you want to blame, when you want to focus on what they're doing. So the clarity piece for me is around like every day, why am I doing this for me? It seems like, oh, I'm letting him off the hook if I don't da 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 But actually, I, you know, I picture my little people, my babies, wanting them to not grow up in a house where people are arguing, um, mm. wanting to take that super, super seriously, wanting that family that I didn't have, I grew up with divorced parents. So I don't want fighting, but I didn't want my kids to have fighting parents or divorced parents. And mm -hmm. just connecting with that, I was like, what wouldn't I do if it's all up to me, you know, and I was gonna take it, take on all the shifts I could take on, what wouldn't I do? And that clarity for me came with, comes with connecting with the why. So it's often where I start with people is, you have to have a really big why to grow up in those moments where you wanna, when you wanna stoop lower. Yeah, that's yeah, so good. Yeah, I was gonna say that even for in my relationship, I also came from a divorced family, and so it was also those thoughts were also there. Like, I need to make this work. Like, I don't, I am not going to have this end up like what happened with my parents. And so it was like because of that, I think um, we were really making it work for each other. And what I noticed when a communication started to shift was that we became more generous with each other. Yeah. And it was, before it was all about, like it was all about me. Like I was defensive. I was like, no, you can't control me. No, you can't tell me what to do. It was very defensive. But once I let that go and I was coming like, oh, he's asking this because he wants to spend time with me. He wants to go out as, as a family because he wants to have a family quality time together. Once I got related with what he was, where he was coming from, then it, it made a huge shift in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I see that very common. It's like, uh, we're very much in our own world, in our own head. And we forget that where the other person is also coming from. Yeah, and we bounce off their surface style mm -hmm. instead of like what you're doing right there, which is pretty incredible is just going a little bit deeper and kind of like what's underneath. And there might be some nuisance kind of ways they're approaching you about it, but it's like connecting with that deeper intention and being generous that way on their part also evokes a return of that, you know, you know, you, you sort of going for something deeper there. That's really beautiful, Maureen. Yeah. Yeah, when you were talking Sandy about that, about the why, I like you like i think about how my kids are sort of perceiving and learning from our relationship and communication style but another thing that came up for me um probably like last year i don't know what it was i had a lot of friends that their um their kids were going off to university and stuff and they were saying like 
it's like we're your roommates. Like we don't even know each other, that empty nest. And that became a why for me. Like last year, I was kind of like, it's so easy to be all in on your kids and forget that intimate relationship with your partner. And it's hard. I don't, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but um, that way that became a why for me as well. Just making sure that we're carving out a little bit of time to stay connected as a couple, because even though my kids are so young, I, I don't know. I was very, very triggered kind of by that. I don't know why, but um, so we did like, you know, Monday date nights before the lockdowns, we would go to our local pub after the kids were asleep and it was like wing night and we'd grab a drink and we just talk and we're like, Oh my gosh, we haven't done this in like six years. You know, it was, but it was amazing because I kind of felt like we were dating again. And you know, that idea of a date night, I know people throw it around, but it's, I think it's so important and to keep that part of the relationship going for the future. So my part of my why is our future together as well. Yeah. I love what you said there, Alexis. That takes us into our next question when we talk about energy. Like, what kind of energy are we going to bring in to that relationship? So, uh, Sandy, in our the high performance uh, coaching, we also talk about energy and how how we want to also come into any any room. How do we want to create things? What do we want it to be a happy setting? Do we want it to be intense? Do we want it to be um, fun? Um, like whatever it is, whatever energy that you want to bring, that's also tied into your clarity. Mm. Um, that the energy is really important. It's also about taking care of ourselves. When we're run down, we're tired. We're um, not eating well. We're not sleeping well. It has an effect on how we're. Um, unfortunately, what happens is we take it out on our close loved ones. Then we do. We show up our best self when we are with other people outside mm. of our home. And so um, what, what would you say about that in your workshops when you talk to your clients? What, how do you relate energy in those? Yeah, probably the, the, one of the tie-ins for energy is, is, and I use this in the workshops and in my practice, is the really having a gratitude practice for your partner. You know, mm-hmm. we talk, most people have heard of kind of a gratitude practice, five things you're grateful for today. And I, for me, it's about trying to, in your day, when you're not together, training yourself to put your mind on the things you're really, really grateful for, things that you you will take for granted. I mean, our brains are wired to focus on the problem and to dismiss everything that's fine because we just evolved in survival and scarcity. And so you have to actually redirect your intention to remember. And I'll even give couples that are struggling with that an exercise, I'll say, I want you to imagine right, almost like right in the middle where you can't think of anything good. I want you to think what would happen in 10 minutes if you suddenly found out this person was in a coma and you weren't sure they were going to come out, what would you think about this right in that moment? You know, like what are the things you would miss desperately about this human? What are the things that you love that you wouldn't necessarily have in any other relationship or, you know, just connect with big picture and little picture things when you're not together, because then you're feeding the energy of that love. So it's really about setting, instead of waiting and being just in your own bubble when you're by yourself and sometimes in your head or with your other friends frustrated with your spouse thinking, I have to actually train myself to remember how lucky I am, how fabulous this human is. Um, And what, you know, yes, we're all flawed, but really they're amazing in so many ways. And 
you wouldn't ha you wouldn't be with them if they weren't and putting your attention there will bring more of that out so that's to me is that connected the energy thing yeah it does um because what we also talk about is having triggers emotional triggers so if you're walk every time you walk in through a door how is it that you want to com connect with whoever you're going to be in front of um mm -hmm. i don't know alexis you can add on to that for the energy yeah, really about being responsible for the energy as opposed to just being reactive. And I think that's so good is, is, I, you know, it's so funny. I'm learning so much and I like, I love this like relationships, like talk is my jam. Like I just love it because I think it's just the, the like the life source of life, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, that's so good because I think we, we don't often, and especially not in a challenging situation, to be able to stop and think, oh, we are able to, but I, I don't think we're necessarily willing to. But I think that would be a, like you would shift your energy and what you're sort of bringing into that like so quickly if you were just like reminding yourself of, like the good because in 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 tough times in challenging situations like your mind goes to that negative all the time and then you start stacking negative on negative on negative and before you know it you're just like ah like it's like a volcano right but to, to, to take a moment and I mean, that is what we talk about is being responsible is that we can be affected by others or we can be affected by situations but we also can choose how mm -hmm. we are going to contribute to the situation. And mm -hmm. I think that's really tough. I think it's tough for, for a lot of people, myself included, um, but something for sure to to work on. Yeah, I see them as like, like they're lifetime practices. You don't arrive at the spot where your mind's at, just landing on gratitude all the time and you're really in yeah. touch with it. You have to, it's like a living practice that um, that's why it's good to be in kind of groups like this one and it's just to keep yourself inspired. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that we also cover is courage. Mm -hmm. And I, this is, I believe, one of the top things that we, that most people struggle with, especially in relationships. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that comes from like, they, they hold back. They're afraid to say something um, that what, how the reaction will be, or they avoid it. You know, they either withhold it or they avoid it um yeah or they or they um what is it that what is the other one they say gaslighting because they're afraid of what the reaction will be so they will pretend like it doesn't even exist whatever they're saying they'll totally turn it around because they don't want to face it so i feel like that's one of the biggest factors um is having courage to really speak your truth or really have the conversation with whether you know it's it's even in a workplace having the courage to speak to your boss if there's something that's not working for you or you want to ask for that raise um mm -hmm. a lot people operate out of um a fear i would say mm -hmm. what would you say about that yeah i would say absolutely and yet i often tell people if you're getting sort of an intuitive um hit that you're worried about their reaction slow down and learn from that because there's probably actually you know some of it might just be that you were trained in your family of origin not to have conflict at all but there often is sometimes you'll oscillate between avoiding and then kind of jumping to a kind of communication that is actually going to bring out the worst and then it proves mm -hmm. why they should avoid next time so they're kind of oscillating between not enough clear communication and then when they do speak up, it goes south and it sort of proves their case. So then they're just back to this shutdown. 
And I think that when I think of courage, I actually think of, I think this is in love relationships and in any collegial relationships, anything that's a bit sensitive, um, is that there's a surface experience and then there's a more vulnerable one. So we might be irritated with our partner, but it takes a while to be still with yourself to go, why am I irritated? What's, is there a softer feeling underneath? Um, what's the softer feeling? This is, you know, from Sue Johnson's EFT work. Um, what's going on underneath? And often if you communicate about the frustration, so you have courage to say, I'm frustrated. I need this. I need that. You're actually going to bring out defensiveness and more shutdown from your partner. And that sort of proves why I guess you can't communicate with them. So there you're stuck in that cycle. Mm -hmm. Whereas to have the courage to ask yourself, what's going on underneath? You know, oh, I the softer, more vulnerable emotion and getting in touch with it before you communicate. It is a huge game changer in relationship. And it's hard because, you know, when I do that in my relationship, it's like, oh, I feel, I feel really embarrassed. You know, I'm really defensive. About, so I have like a master's degree. I got 100% in calculus in university. I can't seem to shut cupboards, doors behind me. Like I, and it, you know, I, it's really ridiculous. I'm sure I can, but I can't get it so that I'm 100% going to do that every time. I'm just kind of a dreamer and I walk through space in a different way. So that's like a simple thing drives my husband totally crazy. He's a clean kitchen guy. I know a lot of a lot of people are like, I wish my husband was the clean kitchen guy. But I'm the messy kitchen guy in my house. And this piece around, you know, why am I so defensive to hear about it? I actually agree. You just heard me chuckling about this. I think it's kind of ridiculous that I don't do better on that myself. But when he brings it up, I feel kind of shame. I feel pathetic. You know, I feel like that that's like the inside emotion. It's not really logical, but that's how it feels inside. And that's what makes me defensive. So if I take a second and connect with that and go, yeah, I actually intellectually agree with him, but the tone that's coming at me is making me feel like unlovable, unworthy, you know, and it's not that you necessarily speak in these real relationshipy kind of speak to your spouse, but knowing that softer spot for yourself and then trying to tune it in, tune into your partner's softer, softer motive, then you get under that anger. And suddenly if I come to him and say, it's hard for me to take that in right now, it's making me feel really like kind of as if I'm not like, you don't even love me. You know, like I just feel mm -hmm. sort of, and I know you do, but I feel it makes me feel kind of like insecure and like I want to curl up. That's really different mm -hmm. than if I go to him, you know, whatever, dude, like, do you see your underwear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's the, the vibe on the outside might be that, but underneath it's like, I'm hurt by that because it brings up this feeling of not being good enough, which makes me insecure. And it's not super rational. There's layers to that, but it's, it's if I have the courage to feel that softer feeling and come forward with that in some way, I'm going to bring out a totally different response for my partner than if I do the first one, which is like more like the back off. Yeah. So like that's for me, courage is the courage to be vulnerable. It's that Brene Brown stuff. It's like, it's so much easier to say than do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, um, or actually, no, I want to ask you because if you're tapping into this, you know, that vulnerable side, and then it's not received well by the other person, mm -hmm. or I think this leads to also expectations. Uh, if your expectations aren't met, you're like, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable and it's going to 
be a good situation and it's not, I think that too leads to then the next time, A, the next time it not you're not wanting to, but also kind of what would your advice be in that situation when you feel like you're trying or you feel like you're trying to sort of dig deep, be vulnerable, and it's not received in the way that you were hoping. How yeah. do you push through that situation or what what would your advice be there? Because I know I hear this often, like I'm trying, but they're not. And sometimes yeah, such a good question. Brilliant. Brilliant question. I want you guys to come into my challenge next week. We'll do this again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great questions. Um, yeah, that that's the that's the practice because it you think oh, I'll do this, I'll have courage once, but really, it's a cycle. So you can you can come you know, and especially if you if I've been doing the other version a lot, and now I go vulnerable once, my partner knows me, and he knows that there's also he can he's probably picking up on the other irritation as well. Like he can, he, we're very intuitive and he's familiar with me. So he might be defensive as if I haven't changed. So I, I reach right. for this change, but he's still saying like, oh yeah, there you go. Like, you know, and sometimes he comes out with some real like, you know, 12 year old mean older brother stuff, right? <laughs> he's like, there you go with your vulnerability. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it sounds like just not quite, but it feels like that to me. Uh -huh. right? he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we um, had somebody just <laughs> Yeah, we just had a, somebody just commented and building courage, practice to putting aside that vulnerability equals weakness. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I would say there's a couple things. One is stay the course, you know, make, connect with your truth, but not with the agenda that they're, if you're going to change your side of the cycle, you have to stay and commit and commit. And really it's a discipline of mind because you can't just dip your toe in the water and then go, see, it didn't work anyway. You know, it's like, I'm just going to stay here and stay here with my vulnerability and I'm going to connect to your vulnerability. So behind every one of their distance or their, their brick wall that is up or their anger or their shutdown is going to be some vulnerable feelings too. And trying to do work when you're not in that conversation to think of that cycle between you and then figuring out what do I guess is going on? If I had to guess, what would be the guess of what's probably going on underneath for them? You know, um, my partner ends up feeling kind of overwhelmed and abandoned a bit because I'm a career person. I'm really focused in my work. And he ends up, he actually probably could totally live with the cupboards thing and, and just love me through it. It's not on a really as big of a deal as it seems but it's connected to him to like, he doesn't feel important. He doesn't, he feels sometimes like I could just be in a tunnel vision of my work and not, like he doesn't matter. So when I connect to his vulnerability, even if he doesn't feel like connecting to his vulnerability, but I imagine that while I'm doing my work for mine, then I can connect to the fact that, yeah, he's not gonna soften right away just cause I soften. I'm gonna stay in the vulnerability, but also relate to his. So it makes it safer for him to drop out. And that yeah. might not be in one conversation, but it's kind of over a bar bigger arch. Yeah, that's so good. And that, it's hard work. Like, that's I feel like work. I'm more, <laughs> I was asking for a friend earlier, but uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I am the one that that dips it. Like, I'll be like, okay, Alexis, like you, you're trained and you know what I mean? Like as, as a life coach, as a high performance, I have all these tools that I can reach for. And I do, <laughs> but I reach for them when they don't work. I'm like, <laughs> and away you go, right? And, and you're back to the same cycle, I think. And it's hard, I think. But um, no, I think that's great advice. It's like, and just that reminder too, you can't just, you know, be vulnerable for half a second. And then when it doesn't work, you're, you're out. 
And that's why you need the motivation. That's why you need when you're not in this to be thinking, okay, this is a month where every day I'm going to connect with the why of this. Why it's worth staying in the more like grown-up stance, collecting it. I mean, usually I'm too busy of a person to be at my best, but I now have got myself. So when things go sideways, I use it as a flag, a little like Zen bell, I call it. It's like a little like ding, 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 ding. Time to slow down and reach for something completely different than what it looks like is happening. And, you know, we'll get through, we'll be in the middle of something that looks like it's going to be messy. And then I'm now after years of practice and I have to keep it up um, there, I can sort of go, okay. And just start connecting to his vulnerability first as I connect to my own. Mm-hmm. I love it. I want to ask this one before we move on from courage. I feel like another issue is when there's, when one partner has say something, you know, something's not working. The challenge is how do you approach it or how do you bring it up? And it's that fear of what the reaction is going to be that makes them not do it. Yeah. Do you have any advice into, into if, if the if communication is not great and they want to improve it, mm-hmm. they're afraid of just bringing it up. How would one part of the couple just bring it up if they don't feel as the other half is kind of on the same page? Yeah, the, you know, the Gottmans have some great research on that. They're, they talk about that, that the actual startup, the way things start up is a huge predictor of how the conversation is going to go. Mm-hmm. And also that our, you know, our brains are actually wired. We need five to one. We need at least five to one positive to negative just interaction about ourselves, feedback, okay. in order to be open. So I would say there's two parts. There's the actual conversation, but then there's the global gratitude practice, which ideally you'd be speaking those gratitudes more. So the person, essentially our primitive brain goes into defensiveness as soon as we can't tell if we're safe. And in love, that can just be this person is, you know, not sure I'm, you know, it's the absence of unconditional love, really, because we we know we're flawed and our partner knows they're flawed. And if if they don't feel that sense, like a little kid wants, of just like, I'm lovable. You know, like we just want that. It's not not because we are like we don't deserve it necessarily. We want it just just for being us, right? That's what feels safest. So we can help put our partner in that space on a regular basis by just practicing that gratitude in our thinking inside and then speaking that. So I think it's it's you know your partner might you know has different levels. Everyone has a different level of threshold of what they can tolerate and what they get defensive about. Mm-hmm. So um, making sure that there's a, a global environment where they know that you think they're amazing and you see all their contributions. I, you know, especially with parents, I often talk about, you know, you're both at 300% now compared to your pre-kid self and what you thought of as busy life, you're at 300%. You might be at 400 and you wish your partner was with you at four, but they're at three. Yeah. And for them, they're at 300%. And if they just hear the thing they're not doing right, it's not, they can't actually tolerate it because they're already so maxed. So it just brings up this, I guess I can never get it right feeling. Mm-hmm. So I think the work outside of the, the conversation itself of just establishing that that person really feels important and known and like you see all the ways that they're amazing mm-hmm. um, as a baseline and then starting up the conversation, you know, with that disarming kind of thing. It looks different for different couples, but how to... Um, you know, how to basically say, I see you, I see everything you're in and what's going on. I would love to have a conversation about X, Y, or Z. 
I'm a little nervous to have that conversation because I know it can come off like I'm actually thinking you suck and, and you don't <laughs> suck. And I, I know we've done that before. I don't want to have that, but I also don't want to avoid it because if I avoid it, it'll make me distant and I don't want to be distant. You know, so if you connect it back to those at core attachment principles of I love you, I don't want to be far away from you, you're important to me, and I see you, you know, it like, you know, without being a therapist about it, I think if you just sort of keep that in mind, the person can go, okay, and they may not be ready, You, it's nice to give some people choices, so you say, I feel like this is a conversation we need to have, but I really want it to be a loving thing. We might not agree, but I'd like us to be able to have a conversation when we're in a space where we can be on the same team as a couple, even if we don't agree. And then give the person a little bit of time to get their brain around it. If they, you know, some people need a bit of time to say, okay, well, I'm not up for that right now, but let's do that tonight or let's do that on Saturday morning, you know, and then, and then it gives people sort of a time for, to get conscious so they're going to be less defensive and more open and bring their best foot forward into that sensitive subject. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And we could go for hours talking about courage and how it affects relationships. But thank you for um, putting that together, um, being responsible of how we're going to show up. Um, and then nine out of 10 times, like you said, uh, you know, what we're feeling, the opposite person is also feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so having the courage to get that going. So one of the next things that we talk about is also productivity, um, increasing our productivity. And that's what high performers are always striving for is how we can um, accomplish more in less time. Mm -hmm. And what we find, it, what we have found, Alexis and I, with our clients is that um, we forget about the important relationships that we have and incorporating time for that. So like one of the things that I took on in 2020 was really blocking out my calendar for a time with my family, my friends, um, especially time with my husband, at least once a week to just me and him just have our time before I put anything else on my calendar. So that's part of the what we took on as uh, what as far what I wanted to take on as far as productivity. So what, what is it that you teach in your workshops around that? Gosh, that's so good. I'm just thinking. I'm, I've been I'm been launching my course right now for my my free challenge next week. I just think my my husband needs a little more time. I need to block him in next time. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. I so so key. Um. To to prioritize. There's a few things. I think it's good to to have create build in rituals of connection that are small. A lot of times we get bogged down with trying to create a really special big date night. You know, um, I parents of little kids, I often say, what about getting a one-hour babysitter at 5 o'clock on a Thursday every week? One hour, one and a half hours. You know, like, so small that you don't have the mom or dad guilt. You don't have the this idea of, like, well, I, you know, I'm working all day and I don't, you know, so small. You're still going to be putting them to bed. It's not actually a huge game changer for them. But it's actually now that you're really busy, that's a huge window. And you're not, it's not at 9 p.m. when you're just bagged and need to fall asleep mm -hmm. or be checked out. So that's that's to me like blocking in micro times. I, I in my own life, I realize I need to say yes every morning to coffee with my partner. Like really, you know, it matters to him. It really matters to him. And um, it was one of the early shifts when I was first shifting us out of conflict when he said, I tell this story a lot. He said, 
he came up to me, he's like, so do you want to sit and have a coffee and talk about the renovation? And I already knew that we didn't agree on this renovation at all. And I just was like, no, you know, and I like some fast blow off. And then he got very agitated. And I think, I don't know, but I think he would then jump into like the cupboards and like why I'm not mess cleaner in the kitchen. Um, and, and I just went, it was in the middle of this process where I was like, wait a second. Okay, I'm going to pause in my head, back us up. So I just said, okay, wait, let's back this up. I, what I should have said is I love you. I absolutely want to have time with you and sit and have coffee. I'm not really up for the renovation conversation this minute, but yes to you. Yes to having coffee. And ever since that work that day, I actually have been really trying hard to, um, I'm just going to silence this guy. Um, really trying hard to just say yes to those little dates. I think of them now as little dates. Um, I can stay up late and work in the night and I'm trying really hard to say yes to going to bed at the same time. You know, things like that. I think if we look for big opportunities, it, it slips away. If we realize every day I need to find the mini dates of our life um, and then add in some big ones, but certain rituals that are in that connection every day to me that and I love the blocking of time for that, putting it first rather than getting everything done. And then finally, my partner gets some of me. Yeah, I think that's yeah, super key that's is super key. what's important, what's to, them important too. to them too. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we often forget this. We have this, you know, big date planned or whatever it is. And then again, going back to expectation, if it doesn't go exactly as you are thinking it will, we are disappointed and it stops us from doing it again. But, you know, coffee, maybe like the thing that's super important that your husband loves to do with you. And to you, it's like, oh my God, mornings are crazy. I don't have time to have the coffee. But that's what makes him feel connected or makes him feel loved or that's what he that's the time he loves with you and i you know i think it's really important to think of those things about a partner my partner my husband's a huge soccer fan and when we were dating i watched every game i cheered for his team and then as we had kids and he's like oh baby let's just play and i'm like i don't care like i don't care <laughs> somebody's throwing up somebody's crying <laughs> i don't care about soccer but it's so important to him and when i just i'm like oh yeah let me see it like, and then i you know i mean i'm that excited about it <laughs> but i know it's important to him and he loves to share that with me yeah. So I've yeah, tried and it's to like, kind of like you're saying you're you matter instead of it's like you, soccer might not matter to you right now, um, but yeah. you matter. And I, if I realize that's what the soccer ask is really about, yeah. then I for sure want them to have had lots of experiences of knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I love that's it. A great example. Because when we talk about activity too, it's really about it's not just about you know ticking things off your to do list. It's about doing the things that matter. It's about doing the right things, more of the right mm -hmm. things. And I think that's so applicable to relationships when we're talking about that is we may say, well, look, I, I do the laundry. I make you dinner every night. Like these are the things that I do for you, but they not, may not be the right things that build that connection. Mm -hmm. You know? So I, yeah. think, I think there's a lot to be taken out of that. And that's applicable for relationships as well. And that, that's a perfect segue into our um, last thing that we also um, incorporate in our coaching is influence. So inspiring one another. So where we talk about influence in our relationship, and it's not only a relationship with, again, with our spouses, I want to also bring it to like our children, um, with our colleagues. It's really being an inspiration for each other or really encouraging them. So what, what people really would 
in, in the best way um, I find to really be an influence in someone's life is really getting what it is who they are and acknowledging that and then inspiring them further. And I don't, I feel like we're, we're not doing enough of that these days. We're so in our own world and what we need to get done and how it needs to be done that we, we are not related to what other people are wanting to get done for themselves. So mm -hmm. what, what would you say in relationships with, that you've seen, that people have come to you, how does influence come in play? Yeah, such a great, they're all so great. <laughs> I love your, I love the breakdown of this model that you have. Um, influence, you know, there's two parts. One I've already spoken about, which I can't say enough, which is stop waiting for your partner to change, stop waiting for them to read the book or come to the thing you focus on your side and even if they never read the book you're going to just find the influence is so powerful because they we all they chose you the stakes are high they want a happy loving home as well even if they're not always acting like it so the idea that you rise up and you be you be the love you reset the bad vibes into good vibes you do that as much as you can without without hesitation or waiting for it to come back it comes back. It always, always comes back. It's, it's, um, it's very reliable. I mean, ultimately you always could have the choice later to leave, but to set up that you're not going to think about, um, them doing it. And then you're like tit for tat. It's, it's just, I'm going to commit everything I have to my side. Most times your relationship will come back through that influence, even if it's indirect. So I think that's a huge one. The other one is, um, when you were saying the generosity, I, the skill I think that we could all do more of is emotional validation. That when this um, EFFT, Emotionally Focused Family Therapy Counselors that I did some training with out of Toronto, they had this beautiful model where they talked about when someone's in a big emotion, it's like they're up an elevator and they can't actually reason until they get to the, they can't problem solve or reason until they get to the ground floor. And the only thing that brings any of us down that elevator is believing that someone understands us and that we are, that they, they get it, that we are known and seen, you know? And so most of us focus on the content of what's going on. And we think, well, you're feeling that way, but it's, you're having this faulty analysis. I'll fix the analysis and that maybe will get you down that elevator, but really being able to just tune in and validate, yes, you feel this way because this, because that, because that, I totally get it. Not that I agree with the logic, but just that I see you and I know what it's like to be you. I And, and our partners and our colleagues and our children, you know, it's, I was, I got home from that conference and my son was really mad at my husband and they got a big fight and he was down in his room. I was trying to help him shift gears and he was just up the elevator going further up. And I said, like, okay, I'm gonna do the elevator, validate, validate, validate. And he said to me, you love Lily more than you love me, which is his sister. And it's hard to validate. You think, well, I can't validate that. That's not true. I don't wanna validate that. But okay, the principle is I'm gonna validate the feeling. That must be so hard. You know, I get where you're coming from, how for you, you see Lily never gets in trouble. You're getting in trouble. It feels like we don't even love you. That's terrible. That is so hard for you. Like that's just, validating his experience of it not the um not the content 
And at later, once he's down the elevator, just like by the by, we totally love you. This like you both amazing. There's no comparison. Um, but he doesn't need to hear that because if I argue with that at first, all I'm doing is invalidating him. So that's serving what they need. It's like this skill of validation for me gives you a lot of influence over somebody's um, getting down that elevator and feeling like they can trust you and then move into something new. I love that um, because it's our tendency is to say, calm down. <laughs> if you say calm down, <laughs> you know that up. takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, like I love pen, penthouse button. <laughs> yeah. If you want to take it to like a out the roof, yeah, say calm down. <laughs> yeah. So no, I love that that you talk about validating the feelings. And it's it's like you said, it's not only with just our spouse, it's even with coworkers, if they're frustrated, just say, yeah, I can see that you're frustrated. And I can imagine that it is. If it was up to you, how would you change it? How would you do it? You know, like really, and and, and you'll notice that they, people just want to be gotten, right? It just, I just want to be heard. It's like they're so frustrated that they're not being heard, that they get to that level and they don't know how else to express it. So it's just getting to that level with them, understanding, validating what it is. Um, yeah, I love that. And, and I, it's a huge part of um, in the high performance coaching and influence is how to connect with people and then also inspire them. Yes. So loved what you said there. Um, the, now, um, I know the, we're coming to the end. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add with the with the validate. Most of us validate briefly and then we jump to problem solve. So the art is how to stay even a room full of therapists had a hard time staying for two, three minutes. Just the the sentence they gave us, which I love to share is that makes all the sense in the world because, because, because. So you're, you're dropping into the world. They're not just like, oh, I get that you feel angry. It's like, yeah, you feel angry. You're, you're so frustrated because this, because that, because that, you know, you, and if you get it wrong, you just guessing, you, they'll correct you. You just validate that. That's perfect. It's fine. You don't have to get it right, but you're, you're just dropping into their world in a way that feels, thorough enough that they believe you. You know, you can't just go, yeah, I get you're angry in your mind. Yeah. You have no right you know, to be angry. Um, yeah. There was a, there was a, uh, Alexis sent me something about um, Chris Voss, who does a lot of negotiating. Mm -hmm. And to influence them, it's really meeting them in where, in the conversations that they are having. So it's um, almost like saying, well, it seems like, or it feels like, it sounds like, that you're saying this and you keep saying that until you get it right yeah. so it's i think around, along the same lines and until you match what it is that they're feeling or saying or what it seems like um until you do that then there's no connection they feel just completely disconnected disconnected from you until you get them yeah i love that yeah there was now, i did want to move on to your um the five-day relationship challenge that you have can you tell us a little bit about that i know <clears throat> for the audience, I know it's starting on Monday, and yeah. it's um, I, th I believe it's at one o'clock Eastern time, right? Nine a.m. Pacific, 10, 11, 12 Eastern. Twelve Eastern, okay. Twelve Eastern. And we're starting kind of now. I'm going to be doing some bonus trainings this weekend. Okay. Um, okay. So it's five day relationship reset. You don't need your it, the exercises are for you individually. You both partners or one person can come and have. Um, just 
just a good impact. Some of these tools we're going to go into more depth with and others. And we're just every day I'm going to do a little teaching and then offer some homework. There'll be a reflection. All the, you don't need a huge amount of time. A lot of it is stuff you can kind of mill about in your mind and in your, your awareness in the day throughout your day and little in between moments. Um, yeah, five days in a row and yeah, there's there's the the group's getting getting some people in it. We're we're getting some momentum going. It's really great. It's officially for parents because I want to give a safe space for that. But certainly anybody who's busy, who did who can't say solve their relationship by having lots and lots of date nights or hours and hours. It, it's really meant to be the you're in a long term committed relationship. The stakes are high, and you are very you're a busy enough person that you need efficient solutions. Great. Can you tell us, like, the, each day, what is what topic you're covering? Oh, I actually can't pull that up right this second. You don't have to write it. <laughs> I, you know, you can go if you if you sign on to the Facebook group, you'll see it. It's outlined. It's just not that exact map, isn't there? I wish it was, but I've been in a, a world of just connecting all the technology this week, so it's just not fresh to kind of ream off right here. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, you can go to, so sandymcclain.net is my website. I think you're linking to that. And yes. you can find, you can follow the Join the Challenge. You can read about me. Um, and it it goes through all the different pieces it'll cover. And when you sign up on the Facebook group, it's like day one, day two, day three. You'll see it. Yes. yes. Yep. And I'm there. So for those of you who are listening, it's invitation.standymclean.net. And yeah. really excited. I'm excited to be a part of it as well. Um, I don't know if I can call in for or join in for every single one, but I will. you will have the recordings there too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be lives on the Facebook group, and then people can watch them anytime. And, you know, ideally stay on it sort of within 24 hours, but it's going to be – it's a pop-up group, so the group's not going to last forever. It's going to – come down kind of a Tuesday of the week after. Um, and yeah, and if you come into the group from this, make sure to tell me that you're coming from this group because I'm. I, I when you sign into the group, there's an opportunity to say, um, you know, how, how you heard about that. So I'd love to know that, I'd love to know, and there'll be, if there's a little pod from your guys' world over there, I'd love to know who they are. Yeah, and let us know like how many we you know come in from our group. I'd love to know how much of our audience here. You know, I sent out a poll, and a lot of the our audience was really interested in the spouse, and there was a couple of people who were the relationship with uh, coworkers, but mostly it was spouse. So, and I'm sure with this pandemic going on, people stuck at home, it's probably raised up a lot of things with <laughs> within the relationships in their home. Um, and then for some, it could have been a great time for them to reconnect and work on the relationship. So yeah. I think it's in uh, in some kind of eerie way, it's kind of great that we had this time to sit down, reflect, be at home um, with our family and children, slow down, like really slow down and spend time with each other. And I think it's funny that you mentioned, like, I saw a really a post that just made me laugh like everyone's working from home now and this woman had I think it was a tweet or something but she was like I overheard my husband on a zoom meeting and she's like I can't believe I'm married to a let's circle back 
guy, you know, like we see this other side that we don't often see, like the work spouse or how they are. I mean, I know my husband's like, what are you talking about? Are you locked in that office? And he goes, no, you know, and I share it with him, but it's, it's just funny to sort of see that other side. So I think now is such a good opportunity to, to take uh, your, your challenge, Sandy, because like you said, we have the time. We're kind of seeing a different side sometimes to our, our spouse because not all of us are home every day, all day with yeah. each other. Um, and like I said early like in the beginning, I think relationships are really just like the, it's the it's the key to life. It's just that like it's a thing that makes life worth living. Like you can't say work, it's work or anything else. I think it's those relationships that we create. Um, and for me, I know those personal intimate relationships with my husband, my kids, my mom and dad, my girlfriends, like those really close relationships are so important. And when they're out of sync, I think that spills into all those other important aspects of life as well. So, um, you know, thank you for all the work that you're doing. And I think it's so beneficial. I know not everybody can always um, either afford therapy or think that they're at that point. And I think sometimes, you know, when generous people like yourself offer these weeks, you know, where you have really valuable training and really valuable sort of insights and, and tools for them, it can, I think it can be a huge uh, game changer in their relationship and in their life. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for being here with us today. I think, I know I got a lot, I, my brain is like, you know, circling through, all right, um, you know, push through and, and uh, things that I'm gonna do and, and apply to my own relationships just starting now. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, same for me, like I'm thinking, I haven't thanked my husband lately. <laughs> I should probably be acknowledging him. Um, he, he does a lot, like he does a lot with the kids. You know, I have a, you know, my job, I run this business. Um, so it's it, like you, like you, it's been, I've been really busy and I don't give him enough time. So, but thank you for that. It's a reminder. And, you know, although we're in the same house and always spending, we look like we're spending a lot of time together. Sometimes you can be in the same house and totally not be connected. Yeah. And that can mm -hmm. happen too. So we can be responsible for how we want to create that connection. Thank you so yes. much, Sandy. Oh, yeah, it's such a pleasure. This is so fun. I want to, I want to do this more. <laughs> yes, we definitely should do this again. Definitely. Um, okay. So I wanted to remind everyone who's listening, Sandy McLean is here today. She starts her five day challenge next week on Monday. It's 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, and it, it's every day for 30 minutes for five days. Yeah. You can sign up at invitation.sandymclean.net. Um, so make sure you go sign up. When you get into that Facebook group, let, the, let her know that you heard about her from here, from Goal Set Coach, from your um, Alexis and Maureen. And, mm -hmm. um, Thanks again, Sandy. Really appreciate it. Um, so sorry it was so early in the morning for you. No, it's great. Now I'm all spooked. I'm all energized. <laughs> I think it's a great way to start out the weekend. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you, everyone. We all see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye, Sandy. Bye.